few minutes for you. Come on up. Come on up. Even if you're a little bit older, it's okay. Anybody that's a child at heart, you can come up. As long as you answer kindly. Okay, y'all just sit down right here. It's great. Right here. Just sit down right there. Great. 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 Wow. This is a good group. Nice, bright, shining faces today. Okay. How many of you have ever grown a garden? You ever grown vegetables in a garden? Some of you tried that? What kinds of things did you grow? Huh? Tomatoes? Cucumbers? Cucumbers? Okay, good. Anything else? I know we grown a plant that grows something for Halloween. Okay. Grows pumpkins. Pumpkins, okay. A lot of good things. All right. Well, I brought some things today out of my garden. And uh, see if you recognize, what is that? Uh huh. Good. That's a tomato. That's some of the vine. What about this one? What is that? Peppers. Okay. No peppers. And there's one other thing hanging on here. You were asking about. What's that? Those are beans. Those are pole beans. Okay. These are green beans. Okay. Now, what if you were growing a garden, and one day you went out to it, and there, on your tomato vine, there were some green peppers growing. And you looked over at your bean plant, and there's tomatoes growing on there. Would that be kind of strange? Yeah. Yeah, well... Put the wrong label on it. Put the wrong label, maybe, yeah. <laughs> that could have happened. Hey, stop laughing. I get with the program, Anna. It would be strange because plants can only grow the way they're made, right? God made bean plants, and the only thing that can grow on a bean plant is beans. And God made tomato plants, the only thing that can grow on a tomato plant is tomatoes. And God made green pepper plants, and the only thing that can grow on them is green peppers, right? Do you remember Jesus said one time, I am the vine and you are the branches. One time he said, I'm the vine, I'm the thing that comes up out of the ground, I supply all the nutrition, all the, the things you need in order to grow strong and produce fruit, and you're the branches. You come off of me and that's how you grow is because you're connected to me. You know, the problem is, the problem would be if you... Yes? <laughs> you have an answer you want to share? No? Okay. The problem would be, if we try to connect ourselves to some other vine, we're going to get a different kind of plant. Like if we took ourselves off of Jesus and we connected ourselves to something in the world, then we're going to produce a different kind of fruit than he intended us for, to grow. So what we need to do, come on out here guys. What we need to do is make sure that we're connected to Jesus because if we're not connected to Jesus, we're not going to produce the fruit that God has in mind. Yes. You did? Good, good. So what I want to encourage you guys all through your life 
is do everything you can to get connected to Jesus. Because that's how you're going to get strong in your faith, and that's how you're going to produce the fruit that God wants you to in your life. So you stay connected to Jesus through church, kids' church, and your Bible school class. You stay connected to Jesus through prayer. You stay connected to Jesus by reading his word and by being with other Christians who can encourage you and strengthen you. Because all that really matters when everything is said and done is that you are connected to Jesus and that you are living for him. Okay? All right. Thanks for coming up here. You can go back to your seats. Uh-oh. Well, they may not like that. They ate those. <laughs> what? What? He said somebody was eating the mints out of the bag. The only problem with that is there weren't any mints in the bag. There were, <laughs> there were tomato leaves and green bean leaves. That won't taste very good. The wrong label. Thank you. So, what is truth? That's been our series so far. What is truth? We've looked at several things here. We've discovered that truth is a little slippery sometimes for people. And some people don't even think there really is absolute truth to be looking for. In fact, truth kind of moves on you. Truth changes. Depends on what environment's in. Depends on who you're talking to. Depends on what their philosophies are. That everybody can have their own set of truth if they want to. But the reality is, there is truth. The truth truth that will stand forever. And if we miss that truth, we're going to be messed up. We're, we're really going to make a lot of mistakes. Well, what about this thing called religion? Dave introduced that in our communion meditation this morning. Are you a religious person? And is that a good thing if you are? Our main text this morning is in James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, where James tells us what pure religion is. And it may may seem a little odd what he says, but this is how he introduces the topic. He says, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We're going to come back to that a little bit. Let's see this morning if we can discover what the truth is about religion. I want to share five things with you. First of all, religion as a term, as an idea, is all over the place. It's, it's just amazing how many different ways you can go with this thing. There's so many different religions in our world that it's kind of hard to describe. What is religion? The World Christian Encyclopedia sent a guy named David Barrett and a team of researchers out to try to catalog and categorize how many different religions there are. And they discovered that there are 19 major world religion groups in our world, which are divided into about 10,000 distinct religions. And that's a pretty big number. Of the latter, there were 270 religions and para-religions, types of religions, which had over a half million people in them each. So there's big groups of people all over believing different things within Christianity. They, they identified 34,000 separate groups. Now those are denominations and, and sects of Christians, individual uh, unaffiliated churches. We would be included as one group because we're not tied directly into all the other churches in any way or to any denominational headquarters. So if you put them all together like that, now there's, there's all these 270 
groups like that, 34,000 separate groups. Now, did you ever know, did you imagine that there are that many kinds of religion in the world? Maybe you didn't. Some people don't even want to talk about religion. They consider religion a bunch of baloney. And that's the technical term. <laughs> baloney. It's, it's hogwash. It's meaningless. They think religion is pointless. It is unnecessary. I was looking at the internet in preparation for the sermon, and I was asking, what is the truth about religion? I found out there is a site called Truth About Religion. And it was somebody who doesn't like religion. On that site, they said religion is the biggest hoax ever played on man. They went on to say that man invented religion over 5,000 years ago due to his fear and his lack of knowledge and his insecurity with the world around him. It was an easy way to explain the unexplainable, and he's kind of satisfied with that, I guess. Now, it's obvious that the people writing that particular website have an axe to grind with Christianity. They, they really want to bolster us and, and uh, criticize us because they say there are over 4,200 different religions in the world and about 2.5 billion people in this world are Christians who believe they're right, but the other 4,199 religions are wrong. And they kind of put us on a separate category there. Is religion a hoax? Is religion pointless, unnecessary? Karl Marx, founder of communism, called religion the opium of the people. To him it had no value except for those who were weak and timid and scared. Something they could cling to so they'd be comforted and so that they could support one another in virtually meaningless ways. That's how he looked at religion. So a lot of opinions, a lot of things out there. What is religion anyway? Well, religion, secondly, is basically what we do, what we practice. That's all it means is the things you do, the things you practice on a regular basis. It's basically how we live our lives. Religion is what we do to express our faith or to somehow uh, show what our priorities are in life. If you believe in Allah, you follow the tenets of Islam and the Quran. If you believe in Jehovah, the God of the Jews, then you follow the Old Testament and the ways of Judaism. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you follow both the Old and New Testaments and you follow the ways of Christianity. If, on the other hand, you don't follow any of those things, but you think that your first priority is your job, or maybe your family, or maybe your favorite sports team, then that becomes kind of the religion, the thing that dominates in your life, the thing that has priority, and you could say that that is your religion. These priorities, whatever they may be, determine how we spend our time and what we do with our lives. A person's religion, then, is whatever they do or practice on a regular basis that shows what they believe or what they make priority of their life to be. It could be virtually anything. Thirdly, religions are supposedly equal. Supposedly equal in validity. The truth is they're not equal in validity, but some people believe that they are. In postmodernism, the predominant philosophy of the world we live in, the predominant worldview today, all paths of life are equally valid, equally true. To postmodernists, no religion, no philosophy is the path or the truth. So it's just wide open. Do whatever you want. If you believe it, if you're sincere, if you're following your heart, if you're doing what you think is right, it's okay. Postmodernism is perhaps the most pervasive fundamental worldview today. The essence of it is the notion that everybody decides for himself what is true, what is right. And so you hear a postmodernist speaking when he says something like, 
well, it's true for you, but not for me. Or, you have your truth, I have mine. We'll just leave it at that. Or, that's just your personal belief. Don't push it on me. That's that worldview. Some people say God's too big to fit into just one religion. That's why there are so many. God is so magnificent. God is so a large. God is, is everywhere. And this, this view supposedly justifies a vast number of religions and religious views. It is an idea that God is so big that virtually any and every path leads to him. Unfortunately, the only thing that that leads to is, heaven, is not heaven but hell. And this idea is a lie. In our modern world, the greatest value we are supposed to have is tolerance. Tolerance for the opinions of everyone else, the views of other people. We're supposed to let everyone believe whatever they want to believe. But what if they believe something that's going to lead them to hell? Then what? Just let them believe whatever they want to believe and end up that destination? We've already learned in this series that there is one truth. There is one path. And there is a path that has been made and determined by God, not by us. Uh, it's not us that decided that there is a path, that there is a person, that there is a way to God. God is the one, as our creator, who can legitimately set the rules, set the principles for the universe. Christians are maligned today because we insist there's just one way. Jesus said, as David pointed out earlier, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's John 14, 6. Jesus said exclusively, I am that way. I am that truth. I am that life. Now, some Christian sociologists like to say that Christianity is not really a religion after all, because religions are things man makes. Christianity is something God made. They say there are many religions, but there is only one true way of life, and that Christianity was begun by God himself, so it's in a category all its own. And maybe even that website that's against it was saying that. It sets off here, one out of 4,200, 4, all by itself. And it's not because we're egotistical or arrogant. It's because God has spoken and God has said this is the true path. What I want you to know is simply this, that there is a true path. There is a true religion. There is a true way of life. There are not many ways to God. All of them are not equally valid. So don't buy that baloney <laughs> that's out there in the world today. Now let me get to the most important point in this message. True religion is not rules or rituals. True religion is a relationship. Whereas most religions are all about rules and rituals, true religion is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. The Apostle James calls living this way pure religion. Again, he says in James 1, If anyone considers himself religious yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James uses the same word for religion three times here in two verses. And that word, threskia, is a word about religious worship, about all the outward things that we would do as part of our worship. And some people think, the commentators think, that the reason he even brings it up is he wants to make a contrast. You know... As Jews, you had a lot of stuff you did, a lot of ceremonies, a lot of rituals, a lot of holidays, a lot of festivals, a lot of this kind of stuff that was ritualistic. You had a lot of rules and regulations. That's religion. But he said true religion is not that. True religion is different than that. Pure religion 
he says, is demonstrated by the way that we love God and the way that we love other people and the way that we live our daily lives. Not by our ceremonies, not by our rituals, not by the other things we might do in a public worship setting. Now, today, we've prayed, we've sung songs of worship, we've met around the Lord's table, we're going to give an offering. All this is part of that public worship thing. That's not where the heart of religion is, the heart of a relationship with God is. They are expressions, but what is more important is what is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Sometimes you see the rituals, the, the rules, the ceremonies, the liturgies can get in the way. Sometimes they take our focus off of Christ and we say, wasn't that a good service today? Wait a minute, did you meet God while you are there? Did you draw closer to God? Wasn't that wonderful singing today? Wasn't that a really neat communion meditation or a great sermon that we heard today? And the whole point may be missed if the focus was on the, the uh, outward things that happened as a result of the relationships that we have with Christ. That's why Jesus said in John 4 to the woman at the well, as time is coming, has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and the worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So true religion is not about forms and structures. It's not about rituals and rules. It's about the substance, a personal, honest relationship with God through Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. True religion is not a bunch of empty rituals and religious ceremonies. It's about an abiding relationship. And it's about how we handle our relationships with other people as well. And that takes us to the final point I want to make this morning, which James is talking about here. True religion does whatever God wants. It is focused on what God desires. It is all about living for God, not for me or for you. As Rick Warren said in his book years ago, The Purpose Driven Life, it's not about us. It's about Him. And the whole thing is about God, not about me. Is the priority of my life on God or on what I want? And James says again, if anyone considers himself religious, yet doesn't keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. His religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and flawless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Religion that passes God's test has two qualities, especially he talks about here. He's already talked about the tongue before this, but he says, what does your religion, what does your life think about people around you in need? What does it do in response to the people that you see around you that are in need? Do you do anything? Secondly, do you keep yourself from being polluted? Pure religion looks after the needs of people who can't fend for themselves. It's not just the widows and the orphans, but these are examples. These are the kinds of people. It could be a homeless person on the street. It could be a child in your school that doesn't have meals for school. It could be someone in your neighborhood that is about ready to lose their home, and you're not even aware of it because you're not involved enough in their lives to know it's happening. That happened to us. Neighbors lose their house. We had no idea they were on the verge of that until it happened. It's too late. What does your true, pure religion do about people in need? And what do you do about your own life where you are given all these temptations, all of these options, all of the things that could come into your mind, things that you could desire, things that you could pursue, things that you know are not going to draw you closer to God, but rather away from God? 
what do you do about those? Do you keep yourself from being polluted by the world? Is there a plan? Is there a, a vision of what that means day by day of how you're going to conduct yourselves, what you're going to allow yourself to see, where you're going to allow yourself to go, who you're going to allow yourself to hang out with? Is there a plan? That's true religion. Because your desire is now not to satisfy yourself, not to please yourself, not to grab all you can for yourself, but to say, God, I'm here for you. I'm here for whatever you want to do in my life. Religion is basically what we do or practice. It shows what we think is most important. And whether or not we like the term, we are religious, because we do things, we practice things, we live a certain way. The world wants us to think that all manners of life are equally true, equally valid, but they're not. Only one path is right. It doesn't even make sense to say that everyone or everything is right. How is that possible? It's all okay. You know, all, it's, everything's good. That's, that's ridiculous. True or pure religion is not in outward rules or rituals, but in a relationship that we can have with God and with other people. And the main thing to do is to do whatever God wants and to be whatever God wants us to be. What, then, is your religion? What is your religion? Let's, let's be honest. Let's, you don't have to be honest with me. I'm not going to go around and pull you one by one as we go down the rows. You don't have to answer to me anyhow. But you do need to answer to yourself and you need to answer to God. Is your religion one of those 10,000 different religions out there created by man? You know, some people today like to take pieces, you know. I'll take a piece of that, and a piece of that, and a piece of that, and they have this eclectic view of religion. I just like that. I like who they pray to, and I like who they read, and I like the way they do this ritual. So I'm just going to incorporate all those things that I'm most comfortable with. In India, there are, there are 33 million gods and goddesses, and you get to choose what you want, you know, and still be a good Hindu. Is perhaps your religion not any of those things but your job? Is your life all about your job and progressing your job and making as, money, as much money as you can and promoting yourself and, and, and getting yourself ahead so that at the end of it you can say, look what I did. Is your life your family? Family is a very, very important thing. It may be your, your most important place of ministry, but has your family become your religion? Has your family become your priority so that God is pushed to the side because you care more about your kids or your spouse than you do about God? There's a problem there. Is your religion your favorite sports team? I know I'm treading on thin ice. It's fall season. It's football season. But is it your favorite sports team? Is that what dominates your conversation? Is that what excites you from day to day? How your team is doing? acquisitions they made and the points they scored and, and, and what different players did and how your fantasy football team is doing. Is that the thing that has you most excited? There's a problem there if that is true. Because if you have a man-made religion or a religion that only relates to this temporary existence, your God is too small. Your God is way too small. If you're hiding behind rules and rituals, it's time to come out into the open so that you can have an honest relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And in the end, it's not going to matter whether you're a regular churchgoer. It doesn't matter if you've given a lot to charity. It won't matter if you performed rituals and followed the rules of some religion. The only thing that will matter is if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord. No amount of religion 
can help you on Judgment Day. Because salvation is found not in a religion, but in a person in Jesus. So our question this morning for you is this, before we dismiss, is a very simple one. You can answer it for yourself. You may want to share your answer. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Because he is the way, the truth, the life. There is no other way. There is no religion besides following God through Jesus Christ. Are you living for him? Is he changing who you are? Is he changing you day by day and how you live and how, how you conduct yourself, how you live your life? Because that's what really counts. That's, that's the truth about religion. Let's pray. Lord, I pray today that you would be on our hearts because we have uh, our own lives to consider. It's not about the person sitting next to us. It's not about our spouse or our children or our friend across the way here. It's not about somebody that I wish he'd come today because he needed to hear that. It's about us. <coughs> and we, we just want to individually come to you now acknowledging in the most honest, open way we possibly can what our religion is, what our relationship with you is. Uh, I pray for each person here today, Lord. They'd be very honest with you right now. And if they realize that they have uh, gone off track here, that their life is about something other than you, that they would get back on track with you if, if they've ever made that decision. If there's somebody here today uh, that has not made a decision to follow Christ, it's not made a decision to make him their Savior that can save them from their sins and their Lord who can lead them from this day on, that they would make that decision today because he's the only one worthy of our lives. He is the only one that has extended us uh, that grace and that forgiveness uh, no one else can offer. And I pray today that that decision will be made. Uh, we're going to sing. Uh, we're going to continue praying. Lord, speak to our hearts as we do that. In Jesus' name, amen.